information presented on For the People is provided as general legal information. The general legal information is intended to inform consumers, is not intended to substitute for specific legal advice as it relates to the listener's specific legal issue. Consumers are cautioned not to rely on the general legal information broadcast on For the People as legal advice. No attorney-client relationship is created, intended, or implied between the consumers of For the People and Deborah Rainey Esquire, the compassionate lawyer, or the law office of Deborah D. Rainey. Please consult with an attorney for your specific legal issue. The people says the Constitution created for creating solutions. However, we the people lack the understanding. Legal terms and conditions sound written on another planet. Our rights we take for granted often signing away our chances because we don't really know the circumstances. I swear I can't stand it. Then we're so demanding. Quick to throw up a picket sign in the streets to exercise our freedom of speech when the situation could have been avoided from the start if we the people conquer basic knowledge of the law. So this is for the people. Law in plain language. Breaking it down for us in layman terms. That Expressing her compassion and will for us to learn Not for a check but to address how to win in these streets This show is for you This show is for me It's for the people What's up, what's up, what's up It must be 8pm on Tuesday night Welcome to another episode of For the People, Law in Plain Language it's me, your host, Deb Rainey, the compassionate lawyer. Joining me in the studio is my For the People fam, Black, a.k.a. the Broke Poet. Sup, fam? What's the deal, everybody? Simply, the producer. Hey, producer. Hey. Okay, she ain't got a mic. Nowhere <laughs> She's around. She's producing no. right now. I am producing. I am working it. Tonight, hopefully, you saw the um, ad that Renee put out, our producer. She's ever working, ever diligent, trying to make sure we get information out to y'all but there's a wonderful woman and forgive me i don't know where she's at what state is she in california seattle. washington seattle okay let's let's bring seattle washington her name is heather and i had it I and i her. messed she it up okay. we okay. got her on hold heather it's, is it oakman or oakley <laughs> it's oakson but that's oh. close enough heather oakson <laughs> o-a-k-s-e-n Heather is a filmmaker, and Heather did a wonderful, and, and, and Heather, I'm going to let you talk about what it was that you did, but the name of your piece is Minor Differences. Is that correct? Correct. Absolutely. And, and listeners, if you want to check it out and, and, and be with us as we go through this with Helen, Heather, excuse me, you can go to www.minor, differences, no space. D i f f e r e n c e s dot com. If you want to, if you want to um, stay with us. So Heather, before we get in, really get into um, your minor differences film, give the listeners a little taste about who you are and what you do. Are you or do you just do filmmaking or what do you do? Yeah, well, I'm pretty much a filmmaker, though I teach it at uh, Cornish College of the Arts here in Seattle. I teach filmmaking and new media, and I have been making documentaries for 
a long time, I won't even tell you, longer than the film has taken me to make, 18 years. Uh, But uh, that's primarily what I I look at, people who have been marginalized in this culture and look to give them some voice, and that's really how I started this film as well. Wow. Before I finish, Heather, I am going to, I I promised my niece in Pittsburgh I'd give her a shout-out, and I don't want to forget and, and, All right. and we'll come right back to you. This is a shout okay. out to a special niece out in Pittsburgh. Her name is Mink. What's up, Mink? Her mother, Wanda um, Rainey, is my younger sister who passed on a couple years ago. And uh, Mink just sent me a text to say she's listening. So what's up, baby girl? Thanks for listening. So, Heather, what I wanted to ask you is, um, I know you teach filmmaking, but what got you into documenting young people? And are the young people in your films always minorities? Are they a mixture? What's the deal? Well, it's definitely a mixture. Um, But I got into it because at the time uh, I started, before I started making the film, there had been uh, a drive-by shooting in Seattle. And I think it was sort of one of the first at that period in the early 90s. And a lot of us were just trying to figure out what we could do to make a difference and um, working with kids and so forth. I also had a 15-year-old son, so I was very aware of a lot of the issues and problems that face young people, especially young men. And uh, I I searched for something to do, and as an artist, I ended up working in an experimental art program in the juvenile prison system, which was actually pretty cool. This was an amazing program that brought writers and artists and musicians, really talented people in, to work with kids and give them another venue to express themselves and to be something more than the label they had been given. And at the time, I I was just so shocked by what they were saying and how smart they were and how nobody was really listening to kids that age. What was it they were saying? to know what, everything, right? What was it they were saying <laughs> that shocked you? Pardon me, I couldn't hear you. What was it that the kids were saying? You said you were shocked by what they were saying. What were well, they saying? Well, I was just... I, uh, I was shocked at how little I really knew about what it was like to be in a juvenile uh, prison. Uh, really, uh, I think most Americans are not that versed in it, at, certainly not in the early 90s, didn't really have a take on how removed they had been from their families and how young they were. I was just and, shocked and I, that these kids... I, yeah. think more, I think we need to also add to that, that in the 90s, I don't think many people gave a shit that, that young kids were in, in jail. Absolutely All they not. cared about was you commit a crime, lock them up, lock them up, lock them up, lock them up. And now right. we're starting to see our, 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 our faux pas and our screw-ups and our errors and how right. we should have started in the street trying to reach out to these youngsters. Here's my question Absolutely. to you, Heather, and, yeah. and, and please don't be offended by my um, my question, but... What led you to juveniles in jail as opposed to those kids who aren't and and, and were able to avoid the system and and, and do what they did on the outside? Before you answer, Heather, we're going to take a really brief break. Ladies and gentlemen, we're talking to Heather Oakson. She is the filmmaker of Minor Differences. Tonight's show is going to be focused around um, Heather and two of her juveniles who were the subjects of her film. And if you want to check out a trailer of her film, go to www.minor.differences, D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-E-C, okay, I can't spell, 
minor differences. If you need help spell a minor differences, put it in your browser. I'm tired. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we'll be right back. Heather, don't go anywhere, okay, darling? Okay. Heather, are you on phone? Heather? Yes, I am. Okay. Yeah. We're trying to get... Welcome back to For the People, Law in Plain Language with me, Deb Rainey, your host, Black, a.k.a. The Broke Poet. 
Simply the producer. On the phone, we have Heather from Seattle. And joining Heather via three-way are Matt and Joe. And Matt and Joe are subjects of Heather's Minor Differences film when they were juveniles. And we're so glad to have the three of you on board with us. Matt, Joe, can you hear me? Yeah. Okay, I heard. Okay, Heather, you there? Yeah, I'm okay. there. Good. Matt, Joe, can you hear Heather? No. Heather, no. say what's up. Say what's up. Hi, Heather. Hey. How you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, in case you didn't know, the song you just listened to is Jesus, Children of America by Mr. Stevie and, Wonder. And Mama Black said that's a good choice right there. She's um, feeling it. And if you further didn't know, you're listening to www.gtownradio.com. Gtown, the what? Sound from Germantown. This next question goes out to Matt and Joe. And Matt and Joe, I don't know if you guys have any experience or have ever listened to our show, but I'm quite newsy and I'm going to get right to what my question is. Matt, Joe, either one of you can take it. All I ask you to do is tell me who you are when you're speaking. How old were you two when you were involved with or arrested and detained in the... Um, in the facility, whether juvenile or adult. Uh, I was I was seventeen. Okay, who's I this? The case that I'm in in the uh, movie. On. And who was and that that said that? Is that Matt or Joe? Say your first name for me when you're speaking. Uh, sorry, the first the first one was Matt. I was okay. seventeen. And you were seventeen, Matt, in the movie. Yeah. And how old are you now? Uh, thirty-six. Wow. And what's the biggest difference between now Matt at 36 and Matt at 17? Uh, Aside from not being in jail, obviously. (laughs) I heard that. You said you're tired, baby. Yeah, I'm tired. You're working too hard. Why are you tired? Uh, Just life has worn me down. I hear you. It's a hard life inside. How long were you inside? Uh, I did uh, 36 months in my juvenile sentence, and then I did 72 months in federal prison. Wow. So that's like 108 months. Was that almost 10 years? Not quite? Right around there. Wow. And what about you, Joe? How old were you when you first went inside? I was 16 years old when I first went inside. Uh, I ended up doing five years uh, for juvenile sentence, and then... I did uh, another five years off and on in the adult system. By off and on, you mean you were violating probation and parole? Say again? When you said off and on, that means you were violating probation or parole or or brand new charges? Uh, Violating some, and a couple of them were new charges. Wow. Just uh, trying to figure out ways to to make it in society and I always reverted back to my old ways selling drugs and ended up back in the system again locked up again and forgive me Heather Matt and Joe I listened to the trailer of Minor Differences on my way back from I'm on juvenile I'm on a jury trial right now so I was listening to it on my way here tonight and one of you said that you um, got sentenced for merely getting money for cigarettes and alcohol in the film who was that? That was me, Matt. Okay, and what did you mean by that, Matt? Ladies and gentlemen, if you didn't check out the trailer from Minor Differences, go to www.minordifferences, disregard my inability to spell, D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-C-E-S.com. You'll see the Minor Differences tape. There's a little um, summary of the film, and what it was, Heather, and correct me if I'm wrong, was a brief um, story 
up from Matt and Joe. Who's the third juvenile in the um, film piece? Actually, there are five Tracy. in this film. There's five? Okay, uh, so there's Matt, Joe. Who's the other two? Three. Matt. Uh, Casey, uh, Andy, Andreas, Matt, brother, Joe, and Casey's, Travis. Uh, Travis is in for three years. Well, who's the one that got 51 years? That's Travis. Wow. 51 yeah. years. My God. And on the break, yeah. I'm going to be paying a, a portion of that, um, a portion of the clip that's on the website. I'm, I'm going to be paying that on, on our next break. Matt and Joe, okay. let me ask you guys a question. You didn't have any adult supervision in your life that kept you off the streets? Were either one of you in a gang? You want to go for that, Joe? <laughs> don't be scar i said were either one of you matt either one of you in a gang first and foremost I'm, you ain't got to tell me your gang just yes or no sufficient uh, yes okay and that was who that said yeah. yes was that you joe no for me okay <laughs> joe yeah so joe said yes matt said no is that right yeah that's correct and joe are you currently still a member of that gang no okay god bless you and did you have to get, you got out by going to jail or you had to do some other um, blood in, blood out type stuff? Sorry, y'all, I watch America Me. You <laughs> <laughs> uh, just, you know, when you get older, you get your choice to, you know, just get out. And uh, that was my choice to get out. I hear you. Once I got older. Okay, well, God bless the fact that you had that choice. Well, no blood in, blood out type uh, thing. Thank just, God, you know. right? Right? So listen, Matt, yeah. and Joe. You told me you were 15 when you got out. How old are 16. you now, Joe? I'm uh, 35. And Matt, you're the one that told me you were tired. Joe, what are you feeling now that you've um, now that you're seeing your way through this juvenile and adult criminal justice system? How are you feeling? What's what keeps yeah, you motiv- What keeps about- you motivated and keeps you out of jail? My motivation, uh, my kids, oh, uh, just ki- the fact that. Once you do it too many times, uh, you get kind of you good at it, so you want to get good at something else. So, and not being proud of being good at being in jail. What's your kids' so names? I'm trying to do something different in my life. I hear you. What's your kids' names? We can give them a shout out. Uh, Jasmine, Jada, Josephine, and Little Joe. Papa was a rolling stone. Wherever he lay. What's up, babies out there? Heather, this question is for you. I know you told us that. And what I didn't get from you, Heather, is I, I think you mentioned something about meeting these these young men in a juvenile lockup in Seattle. Is that right, Heather? Right. And what took you to the juvenile lockup? You were teaching a class there on film or something? I was. I was an artist teaching in the juvenile system through an um, innovative kind of experimental program. Mm-hmm. And... The main impetus for your your wanting to do this film was to do what? To put in our faces that we suck at caring for our kids or for some other purpose? No, that was generally the uh, whole point. But I think I felt that we never give these young people a chance to tell it like it is from their own point of view. And I I didn't think there had been any other films or anything like it that really asked them to look at their own lives in a concerted way. And I thought if I followed them for four years, I would get a better picture than these little 
you know, sensational things on the news uh, at 5 o'clock. And I think Matt and Joe can agree with me and any other youngster out there listening. Uh, Baby Girl Mink, if you agree, give us a shout. Call the studio, 215. Nope, you can't call text because we're on the studio line. Text line is 215-435-4099. Hit us up, email for the people at DebraRainLaw.com. Face, thank you. <laughs> Tweet us at FTP Law. Matt, Joe, and Heather. I want y'all to tell me whether you agree with me or you disagree with me. I think there's no films like that. One, because I think your film, Heather, Minor Differences, is too much in your face. It puts out for the establishment to see, oh, wow, we really did not do anything for our kids. And we're starting to realize locking them up is not the answer. I think Minor Differences shows and will continue to show the powers that be that this shit is real and it's raw. And I don't think they care. You guys agree or not? Yeah, I agree. I agree. So, <laughs> is 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 doing films like Minor Differences all we have, or what else do we have? Guys, hit us up on a text line. What else can we do? Minor Differences is a wonderful start. It's a wonderful, quick, raw way to get juveniles, the plight of our juveniles in your face. But what do we do, Matt and Joe? What What do you think, Matt and Joe? What if if one particular thing was in place during the time y'all were in that? on that line of going to, to that criminal world, what's that one thing that were it there, it would have sent you to the other side and you would have bypassed the criminality? Do you think there's one thing you can point to? Let's go to Matt first. Really, if uh, if, there, if there was some way that they could have facilitated having guys like me and Joe coming in and talking to us, that's about the only person I maybe would have maybe listened to at that point. Okay. And and was that because you were doing the weed and the drinking and all that partying stuff? Well, just anybody that has ever, ever tried to talk to kids that are, are living that lifestyle or are at risk is always some square, right. always some citizen, right? which is the exact opposite of who they're trying to reach. Right, okay. And so there was an immediate disconnect. Like, I'm not trying to hear what you're talking about. So yeah. if, if, if Groovy Producer came out there and said, hey, children, sit up straight, straighten your heads up, they weren't trying to hear it. But if Black well, or Me came out there and said, what's walk, up? The road that, I hear that, you. That I'm on, you know? Okay, okay. Um, what about you, Joe? Somebody with some kind of uh, understanding of, hey, you went down this road, yes, you can go somewhere else, look at me, not just somebody who's never been down that road before, so... Just a lot of understanding of how where we come from and where we can't go. You can't tell me where I can go if you've never been where, I, where I'm from. I know that's right, but Matt and Joe, answer both of you. I want you to answer this honestly. When you were 16 and, and when you were 17, was there no positive figures in your life that you had immediate access to, whether talking to, looking at, or being around? There was not one positive factor in your lives back then. Or you didn't care because you were trying to do your... There was family that were there. They were positive. But, I mean, you know, when you're growing up, when you sometimes you reach out for other people to try to uh, fit in. And sometimes those, you know, influences are not positive. When you try to fit in, sometimes you fit in with your wrong crowd. And sometimes family can't be the one to pull you back. Sometimes you need somebody who, like I said, in there does that. But most... To say, hey, you don't want to go down that road. I hear you, but isn't it... Is it that most of the time when young when we're young and we try to fit in it's because what's going on at home we can't handle, right? Did both of you have trauma at home? Yeah, 
I would say. Yeah. Trauma by way of Most drug of abuse, here. abuse. Single family home. Okay. All right, Heather, really quickly, where can folks listening see your film, Minor Differences, in its entirety? Well, they won't be able to see it right away, but soon it'll be posted uh, on our Vimeo site or on our website, and it'll be available. Right now, it's it's sort of in different places by different communities watching it in festivals, but we're just about to launch it in uh, on the website, so anybody can watch it. And guys, if you're interested, pay attention, stay on the, face, the For the People Law and Plain Language Facebook page, or you can like minor differences on facebook joe and matt heather and and heather please don't be offended sometimes i'm just stupid um by your voice and by your name i love how you're approaching all of this are you are you african-american or are you caucasian no i'm caucasian oh i would have never guessed i'm joe i'm I'm african-american and matt you're what white damn i thought joe was white and matt was black oops see you can't tell by voices (laughs) So, Matt and Joe, let me ask y'all an honest question and be honest with me. When this white lady came at y'all saying she wanted to film you, did y'all tell her to go jump in the lake or were y'all with it? What what happened? What were your reactions? My reaction, what, what was your reaction? To, what was our reaction to Heather's approach at us about, hey, you know, let me let me interview you? Not My just interview you, but put least, you on film. Let I'm, me put you out I'm there going like through, that. I'm going through all these hard times all these struggles and hard times and maybe if there's a shot at somebody else besides me getting something from it, why not? Wow. Okay. And that was Matt, right? Yeah. Okay. Joe, what about you? Me, I was just, uh, getting away from me to look at myself and try to understand some of the mistakes that I did and why I went down that road. It was just a mirror, I guess, for me, uh, a way for me to express myself. Huh. And Heather, did you seek volunteers at the juvenile facility, or were people forced to come, or how did you get Matt, Joe, and the other three? That's an interesting thing. At that time, uh, Green Hill had more flexibility. The Green Hill School was the maximum security juvenile. I was going to say, Green Hill, the max? Wow. That's the maximum security place out in Washington State, right, for juveniles? For juveniles in Chehalis. But the superintendent huh. was a lot more savvy than anybody. I mean, this project would never happen now. It's so locked down. But at the time, I felt like uh, I, he, he traded me. He said, do you know how to use this equipment? And he opened this closet door, and here was a bunch of VHS, you know, and no, somehow somebody bought it. Nobody knew how to use it. I said, well, yeah, I know how to use it. And he said, well, if you teach a class, you can make your documentary. Oh, wow. So I okay. went down there a couple times a week, and I interviewed. He gave me a list of people he considered to be long-time and juvenile, like they were going to be there at least a year, year and a half. And uh, so then I interviewed people, and I took 10. And orig- those I made a film about those 10 four years after they were out of Green Hill. And what did you and do? And then Sorry. I wasn't planning to continue, but... I did. <laughs> so Finally. what did you do to weed out the ones who were maybe being melodramatic and lying about their um, experiences and those that you felt were being a little, were actually being real? Could you tell? Did you not you know, care? The, the, the weirdest part of this is that the 10 guys that ended up working with me, I, I only felt one person was kind of a weird sociopath, honestly, if you can define that. I thought everybody else was just like my son, really. They'd had a harder life, 
and they had a lot of poverty and a lot of addiction, a lot of mental health maybe, but they were great people. So I didn't weed anybody out. The reason there are only five is partly economy, but partly uh, the other five, uh, over a period of 18 years, I finally, one guy went into serious drug uh, lorddom, and we agreed that maybe it was best if he went, you know, wasn't going to be on television, and um, very intelligent person, but took the big road down another path, and a couple people I just lost track of after Mm -hmm. 18 moves, (laughs) it it gets harder, but really I never had to weed anybody out. They were very forthcoming. I actually think part of it was they had nobody had been listening to them, and who doesn't like to be listened to? And that was going to be my question to Matt and Joe. Matt and Joe, you think you two and the other young men that were in the film were just excited that someone wanted to listen to their story and hear them, and that's why you were so open to Heather's project? Uh, to begin with, this is Matt, to begin with, um, she had, it was a, like a video tech class she had going on. Right. And it was on a volunteer basis, and it was an opportunity to get out of the normal units and to, to mingle. And honestly, I mean, Anytime, it was also a way to make moves, um, really. So it started off that way, and then it was, you know, it was also cool because I'd always kind of been into trying to put something together, right, right, like that. So, what about you, Joe? Once it just made sense once she said, "Hey, this is kind of what I'm doing," and I, you know, she had already built up the trust through the class. It was, it was just natural to be like, "Yeah, of course," you know. Okay, and Joe, what about you? Yeah, for me, um, it was just a way for me to mingle. And then once I got in front of the camera and once I heard myself and started listening to the words that were coming out of my mouth, I wanted to make sure that, you know, what I said was the truth and made sense. So I guess that's the reason why it opened up so much is because uh, I never wanted to lie, especially if this was something that was going to be seen later. I didn't want to lie to myself or lie in front of the camera. So I just became honest and open. As you guys were doing the project, and Heather, this question is for you too, but I'm concentrating on the two guys. Did you find yourselves emotional in, or angry, or what? Tell us about the emotions you were going through when you were hearing and watching yourself tell the camera all the dirt you did and all the things that you went through. What were you feeling? We'll start with Joe. Uh, looking back, okay, that's right. It's been to begin with. It was hard to watch the film just because of. Uh, is this matter, Joe? To listen to yourself. I mean, I, nah. I disagree with okay. stuff that I say yesterday, <laughs> let alone 15 years ago. I hear I wanna, you. You know, dig a hole and stick my head in it. With right. Some of, the, some of the stuff that I'm worrying about and saying, and just the you know the problems that I was having in life. Uh, but yeah. And what about you, Joe? Um. Yeah, I, I like I said, I was real honest with myself, and I, you know, I really didn't want to believe that that was the situation that I could put myself in. I thought I was smarter than that. So um, it was a boneheaded idea. I was just young, I guess, and just, you know, really unfocused. So, And and, and we're going to take a, a our regular break, but before we go there, I want Matt and Joe and, and Heather, check this one out too. Matt and Joe in particular, what I want you to think about when we come back on the other side of the break, um, Matt and Joe, I want you guys to be prepared to tell our listeners a little bit once we play the trailer about where you were at at the particular time of your life when you ended up at Green Hill. 
And Heather, I want to have you think about what attracted you to this group of kids, not just wanting to um, try to influence their life in some way, but did you have some other agenda that perhaps wasn't met when you first started doing your program? Ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take our regular break, but before we do, and during the break, we are going to give you a little taste of the trailer. And Heather, how long is the trailer? Uh, two minutes, 30 seconds. Cool, I have two cigarettes. Ladies and gentlemen, don't go nowhere. We'll be right back. of it 12 13 years old hanging with people who was 18 19 20 you know and all i was doing was uh learning the street life i was arrested for uh assault two with a handgun that night and then once i was arrested people came forward with other charges against me of assault two and another assault two i'm justifying this because i need drugs and i need money to buy my cigarettes and gas and some more alcohol tomorrow that's as far as i was thinking and so i'm doing time for some gas, some cigarettes, and some alcohol. Eventually, I started selling drugs, and it didn't work for me. I didn't have the patience to stand on the corner. You know, this is supposed to be fast money. Well, it's not coming fast enough for me. So um, I decided to strong run people for a little bit. Being a kid walking in a, a maximum security penitentiary was the scariest thing I've ever been through in my life. You hear about rape. You hear about people getting stabbed, you hear about people taking things, and all those things are, they're real. They're happening every day. Yeah, I'm not riding till the wheels fall off. You got me loving Getting in the game, your life can get taken any day. I have friends who died in my arms. Back then it was, you know, the only thing that came to me was anger, retaliation. I found myself. A person caught into, into realities, one of his own and one of society's. I sit in a cell by myself 12 hours a day. A lot of the time, that's all you have to do is just think, remember, revel in your mistakes, and hope for redemption at some point. You know, I got 51 years doing here, and uh, coming here with all that time, man, Everything you hoped for, dreamed of when you was younger, that's gone. And all you got is what you got in here, which is which is literally nothing. Look at that. I was so young, did, didn't know what life was going to throw at me. I didn't know it was going to be so hard. I was so young back then. I'm 31 now.
bread from Philly. My name Black Thought, my girl's the Black Lilies. Some people try to front like I ain't feeling it really. But that's silly, cause how the fuck you can't feel me when I first felt it. I knew it had to be dealt with. A lot of ice grilling and the house got melted. Some trying to put up a fight, but they were selfless. You ain't trying to turn that loose, you too selfish. Give me that, guess who bringing it, get busy back. Women say the sound of my voice. Welcome back to For the People, Law in Plain Language. Sorry, y'all know when I'm reading, I get lost. <laughs> You're listening to Minor Differences with Heather Oatsman from um, the filmmaker of Minor Differences. We have Matt and Joe on the line with us. In the studio is Black, a.k.a. The Broke Poet, yeah, and yeah, simply yeah. the producer. That song, by the by, was called It's Over Now by The Roots. I don't know who that is, but it doesn't what? matter. You don't know The Roots? And you uh, ladies and gentlemen, if you did not know, this is For the People Law and Playing Language on www.gtownradio.com. G-Town, no, what? Sound from Germantown. We are talking to Matt and Joe. <laughs> and if you have questions for Matt, Joe, Heather, or just random stuff you want to suggest and, 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 and let us know, Hit the text line, 215-435-4099. And while I stole the air time real quick, I got a question for Matt and Joe. This is Black, the poet. Um, She's 26, the baby in the room, barely... Um, see, they ain't even need to know all that. behind the ears. <laughs> <laughs> but me being young and actually going through some similar things with uh, as both of you guys, I just want to know, when, when you run into kids now that were, that were the age you were when you got into trouble, do you try and talk to them? I mean... what? Do you try to step in in any type of way, or is your way of reaching out just through the film? Good question. Mainly through the film, but, I mean, in different... I always find myself... It's funny that you ask that, because I always find myself in different situations in life. Uh, All right, if y'all don't introduce who you are, I'm going to cry. That's Matt. ...with somebody trying to kind of steer them down the right path, you know, to avoid some of the headaches that I had. So when the opportunity presents itself, for sure... All right, what about you, Joe? Joe? We lost Joe, Joe, hello, Joe, are you there? All right, so... We lost Joe. Matt, did you tell me you had kids, or was that Joe that said he had children? Uh, that was Joe. Okay. Joe got about 10 of them. I, I, I saw that. And Heather, did you... Did you among... Could I just answer that question, the young man's question, for a sec? Yeah, it's a young lady. Yeah, you can answer her question. Just because, uh, in a way, through the film, we're doing a curriculum, a piece, uh, a school, a kid who came to see the uh, film 
developed this entire curriculum around the film for his senior project. He had been in a gang and fortunately was able to get out before he ended up in jail. So I think they've been doing a lot of work after the film Mm -hmm. and are looking for ways to get, I I know both Joe and Matt, uh, to, to get more involved with helping other people. Travis, who's actually in jail, uh, in prison in uh, Washington State, and will be for another 35 years. He has become quite a mentor to the young guys inside trying to, who are just getting in, you know, before they do something. So it's, they've all done some mentoring. Uh, you know, it, it seems to make a difference coming from them. So just mm-hmm. thought I'd give them a little shout. Okay. And so, Heather... <laughs> there are folks out there that want, might want to get involved with um, reaching out to incarcerated juveniles, but maybe they don't have the filmmaking skills that you have. Um, uh-huh. What led you to want to teach in a juvenile facility as opposed to a regular, say, vocational school or something along those lines? Uh-huh. You mean to go actually inside versus the, right. more of the preventive right. at-risk thing? Right, right, right. You right. mean? Well, I had actually done that before in various ways over the years, but I I felt like the hearing from kids who were in jail, that that was really an unheard set of stories, and I'm more interested in getting the word out for people who don't really have a voice, and I think that as important as it is to have that whole prevention and divert youth and all of that, there are a lot more people that are comfortable doing that mm-hmm. than are comfortable going into a prison. And I can't say it was, you know, the easiest thing at first to do, but I found it so immediately easy. People were, the kids were great, they appreciated everything they uh, we brought to them, that it really changed my opinion. I, I didn't have a negative one so much as an uninformed one. Um, so for me, I, I felt like that was a population that never got heard. And you. for me, that's more mm-hmm. important, I guess. During the course of making this film, this is for both you, Matt, and Heather. Um, I know, Matt, was it therapeutic for you in putting your story out there and putting it on film? And did you at some point seek some professional therapy to have an opportunity to deal with those issues that led you down that path of destruction that you were on? Uh, I, uh, it, I mean, it was, it was therapeutic, you know, in, in, uh, like almost in a cathartic sense, you know? Right, right. Um, and I've, because of my, uh, various addictions, I've, you know, been involved in counseling. And well, all tell us what your addictions that I've been in. And what were your addictions? What were your addictions? Uh, I, I was addicted to everything under the sun, but my weapons of choice, uh, during the, during the film at the beginning where it was alcohol and marijuana, but later in life I uh, grew into the needle. Wow. How long have you been clean and sober? Uh, I've been off the needle for a couple of years. Good for you. And the alcohol? No. Still? No, I gave up drinking when I turned into a heroin addict. Wow. Wow. Well, good for you. That's a, that's a hell of a, uh, an accomplishment. Sure. So, Heather, during yeah. the course of your filming this um, film and filming these young men, did you find it being therapeutic for you in a way, hearing what they were going through, and 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 did it make you recognize, but for the grace of God, go one of my kids, or I'm glad I have what I have? How did it impact oh, you personally? Absolutely, absolutely, and and it just 
time and time again, that's why it's called minor differences. You know, we've all done things that had we been in another time and place, we would be in jail. I mean, it's just no kid is, especially without brain development, they're finding, you know, the frontal lobe and impulse control. But everybody's done something, and we've criminalized things like, you know, yelling in class. We've turned into the, you know, the school-to-prison pipeline now. I mean, the disproportionality of kids who are thrown out of class for ridiculous things are, you know, it's a whole cultural problem that the teachers don't look like the students and they don't have any understanding of that. So I guess, you know, I, I felt... Oh, Nelly. Whoa, <laughs> Nelly. Say that again. You said the teachers don't look like the students. And by that, are well, you suggesting minority students should have minority teachers? I'm just curious. Uh, I'm saying that it would be nice to have a more balanced population of, of the, the teachers should match the, the student body more. I mean, I, I'm just not sure that having a, hmm. such a predominant, I guess, yeah, I'm saying there should not that anybody can't teach. Sure. Obviously, I was able to cross some barriers with a lot of different racial groups. But, but all you, but all you had was that you cared, and you demonstrated to the kids that you cared, right? So I think absolutely. less. I think less. But I don't that, know that the teachers don't care either, but I, they're ill-equipped. They've got twenty-five well, languages to they learn. They stop caring because the school district doesn't back them, and they make them do dumb shit like kick a four-year-old out of school because her grandfather right. made her a piece of paper that supposedly somehow looked like a gun and they're terrified exactly. to do their jobs now matt let me I, ask of course i know matt so let me ask I, you this i mean i just think there's so many systemic problems right. i mean i'm the whole issue Hello. like critical resistance we should abolish prisons <laughs> you know, wow all right hold on there now whoa now matt let me ask you this question buddy um, during the course of your incarceration from the age, and I think you told me you were 17 when you went in, is that right? Yeah. Give me, uh, give us a flavor of some of the um, charges that you have when you went into the juvenile system. And, and I guess what I'm getting to is, did your charges get worse as you um, got older, or did they pretty much stay the same, like snatching grabs, um, assaults? Tell us well, about I got, that. I mean, I got smarter um, from... My juvenile charges were uh, basically stemmed from a, a drug robbery. I ended up uh, pleading guilty to assault two with a handgun, uh, a separate assault two, and then a display in possession. So by pleading to the two major felonies, they dropped a third major felony that I had down. Right. Um, and that was just from like a weekend crime spree where I was literally going around robbing drug dealers for, you know, just an ounce, ounce and a half of marijuana. You just had a death wish going on. Fill a gas on, tank huh? and get drunk. Wow. Um, wonder you didn't get shot by him, my, huh? My federal charges, I mean, they had to they yeah. had to work to get me on that one. And uh, they broke the rules, and they, they knew they broke the rules, so they had to amend the law. Um, what do you mean, I'm broke the, the rules? The... I'm in the book. They, they did an illegal search and seizure on me, and they knew that they did it, but they didn't. They wanted to make it work, so they they changed the law. For those of you that for those of you out there that don't know, you're going to oftentimes in, in Philadelphia County for Joe, Matt, and Heather. I am my um, area of practice is the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. I am a eighty five percent, maybe seventy five percent now criminal defense attorney. And in mm-hmm. every state, people may not know the feds and the state, the ones that actually bring the charges against you. 
can bring pendant charges against you. What does that mean? The, the, let's say that you get popped for selling 15 dime bags of heroin to an undercover, and that undercover happens to be a Philadelphia police officer. But in the course of searching your home, they find a number of handguns and some other items that the feds are interested in. So what happens oftentimes in Philadelphia is the state will take the drug charges and the feds will step in and indict you on the gun charge, and you find yourself fighting both cases in both systems. And a lot of people say, oh, that's against my rights, that's double jeopardy. No, it's not because the state and the feds are two distinctly different separate entities, and they can both bring charges against you because the federal government can charge you based on the Commerce Clause. Anything that can perhaps pretend maybe touch commerce or have effect on commerce, that's how the feds get in to take you. So you've heard Matt say that he had some issues with the feds. That's probably how the feds got in there. Joe, are you back with us? Joe, you back? He went to sleep. So for those of you that don't know, in Pennsylvania, like most states, there is a minimum age at which you, you've, you've attained when the state can decide to charge you as an adult. And in Pennsylvania, it's generally 14. There are some crimes that are so heinous that they may charge you younger. But for the most part, it's 14. What's the age in um, Washington State? Do you guys know? I think it's uh, well, When I was going through the decline process, this was in 95. And he said decline. We call that here as certification to adult court. The process to go back to family court is called decertify. Go ahead, Matt. Sorry. Okay, so so they they just changed the law. Right, I went through the decline hearing, and they decided to keep me in juvenile jurisdiction. Good. And uh, two months after that, they changed the law to where anybody charged with that crime would have been automatically, uh, you know, remanded to adult court. Wow. Um, so they, I, I think it's maybe yeah, thirteen. Anything that's like a B felony or above. Give us an idea of a B felony in Washington. We don't have Bs here. We have felony one, felony two, felony three. And then murder. Right. So, you know, like uh, murder would be an A plus. Uh, an attempted murder would be an A. Okay. Uh, I, you know, I got a, I shot somebody in the commission of a robbery that was a B plus. Wow. So. That person obviously didn't die, right? No. Matt, what but have I'm, you I'm done? Just to give you an example of what how the how it breaks down. Yeah, I got you. So it's what it is is now anybody I think you know with a B or above above the age of thirteen automatically. I, my, I don't quote me on that. It's either well, 13, sure, 14. That. It's right in there. It's, it's young. Right. It's too young. Right. I agree. Is too young. Sixteen is too young. Absolutely. That's why. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm sure Heather. You, if you follow the the plight of our juveniles in the criminal justice system, our U.S. Supreme Court came down and abolished mandatory life sentences for right. um, yes, juveniles under the age of 18 uh, that were, well, let's not get too excited because they didn't say they can't serve life. What they said yeah. is it can't be mandatory life. You have to give them yeah. and their attorneys the opportunity to demonstrate to you why they shouldn't have life. But I think that what that demonstrates is now we're at least starting to recognize the differences in the brain functionings and the ideas and the thought processes that kids go through. Matt, when you were right. 17 going through the system, did you blame the system for where you were or did you did you blame the system or did you stand up immediately and recognize, you know what, no one put me here but me? Where were you when you were going through that? I know it's a hard uh, question to I mean, answer. It took but. me a, a while to silver up uh, and then it took me a while to grow up. Right. You know? And what happened uh, during that growing up process? 
part of that growing up process was, you know, some some acceptance of my uh, responsibility. The, the, the part that's hard, though, and, and this is what a lot of guys in the system get caught up in, is that the system is so flawed in so many ways, and it's so flagrant, that it becomes almost, it, it's, it's hard to stand up and say, okay, yeah, I'm wrong, and when you're faced in, if like, in a daily daily basis well, give with me an example so many of, other wrongs that seem so much greater. Well, give me an example I, of what you're referring to. Because it's, it's almost the, as if just you're... Just the way that the guards treat okay. the, the convicts. So when you I said mean, you system, did, you didn't mean criminal justice. You meant the, pen, the, the prison folk, right? Well, within the prison system, and then also, I mean, the juvenile system, it, it, it's kind of, just, I mean, it's... At least in Washington, it's, it's it's kind of a railroad system. I mean, there is no jury trial. It's you know. I don't know many states that give a jury trial for juveniles. I know we don't in Pennsylvania either, unless you're right. tried as and, an adult. I mean, but it's, so there's no. I mean, it's you know, it's the judge and it's I don't know. It's a, especially as a kid, you go in there and the prosecutor knows the defense attorney, and it seems like they're all playing golf together and we're <laughs> gambling away years of my life, and they're all backroom buddies. You know what I mean? Right. And that's the way it comes off. So it's it's hard to kind of embrace the, oh, I need to, you know, take responsibility for the things that I did. It's easier to point the finger. No, I hear now, you. Part of the growing up process was accepting, hey, you know, I can't be out doing the things that I was doing. It was a lot harder the second time around when I realized that, you know, they are cranking out about a, at about a 100% rate. Everybody that's in the juvenile system ends up in the adult system. Wow. So then it does kind of become a question of how much am I a product of what they cranked out? Wow. When you say everybody in a juvenile system becomes, does that mean they're charged with adult and convicted no, it, it as an adult and serve their time? Hold the adult prison population. Okay, I hear you. It would probably, I, I mean, it, probably every single one of them did time as a juvenile. All right, I Matt. Know. Let me ask you. Let me say this to you, and I want you to, to give me an answer. Then I'm gonna go to Heather. You are in front of a board of individuals who are who are uber important. They are the heads of. The biggest state's juvenile juvenile uh, justice system. You have three minutes to tell them the most important pieces that they need to add to their facilities to ensure that these juveniles at least begin that 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 that, that awakening process so they can start thinking about their actions and not repeating those actions. You have a, you have fifteen seconds to think about your response, Heather. Based on your yes. experience with this film. And being around those 10 young men that you were around, if you were presenting to a bunch of geeky Ph.D. candidates in sociology, what are some of the things that you would point? You're trying to convince these Ph.D. candidates Mm -hmm. to do a dissertation in um, the area of juvenile justice and some of the flaws. What would you say to them to pique their interest? I'd I'd say right up front, why don't you get restorative justice, the idea of uh, bringing people together at the very earliest stage that uh, a child makes a mistake and bring them together with the person they've harmed and have those two parties talk it over and feel better about what they've done. When you say make a mistake, define that. I mean, are you saying... Are you saying if a 14-year-old walks up on a woman on the subway and sticks a knife into her back that that's a mistake? How are you defining mistake? Well, I would say that long before that kid who was 14 pulled a knife on somebody in the subway, he was a 10-year-old who did something that wasn't that bad, but got beaten up mentally by somebody, never got asked why he was so freaking angry. And if that process had started when that kid was eight, 
can, whenever it is they're acting out, that's when change can happen. Wow. And that's when victims can feel sympathetic or compassionate. Wow. Okay. Waiting until they're so pissed off that they go and stab someone, well, it's a little late for wow. uh, figuring out what's wrong with anything, the okay. system or them. Wow. It's, it's just way, way too late. Start way earlier. Uh, once you get to prison or once you get to a juvenile facility, you could still be talking about what is, why are you so angry or what is the issue there? But are they you know, old enough at that age to, to be able to, do they have the verbiage to say what they're going through or what else or what their issue is or are they just, I mean. I think they do. I, huh. I felt like that's how come I became as close to some of those kids as I have been is huh. that nobody listens Mm. <laughs> we're really so busy, you know, making whatever system we're in work. Mm. Uh, I do believe they have the capacity. Mm. We might not be asking the right way or the there right you kinds go. That, of questions. That might be it. All right, Matt, it's on to you now, dude. You are presenting to these most important members of the juvenile justice system of the five largest states in our nation. Go, Mr. Matt. I mean, you, they need to do a complete revamp of the whole thing and reconsider how they treat the child from the time the child gets introduced to the system and, and how they go about handling the child. And they need way more vocational stuff going on. I mean, they, they had almost nothing offered when I was there. And the things that were offered were, were ridiculous. And yet, even still, they like the one program that they did offer that I took that uh, was screen printing, and I, I've used that multiple times, and it was just the one sliver that they that they gave us. Imagine if they'd given us a lot more. Maybe well, I would have had a lot more to draw from and wouldn't end, have ended up in federal prison. Well, but uh, way more vocational training, big-time mentorship. That's what a lot of these kids don't have, is they don't have somebody to look to and say, this is, you know, this is a positive role model, this is somebody that I can listen to, this is, this is a great example of what a, what a man is or, you know, what a woman is. So in your um, everyday life now, Matt, that you've been free and clear of the needles and the, 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 the criminal justice system, both as an adult and a juvenile, do you make it your mission in life to look for young folk to turn around, or do you just happen to do it when you run into them, or are you a part of an organization? I just happen to do it when I run into them. I'm not really a part of anything other than the movie right now, but I would like to use this as a springboard into uh, you know as a, as a way to get into some of the institutions i've got a big interest both me and joe have talked about trying to get back into green hill because if there's anybody we should be talking to it's them right i mean they're they're the ones that ultimately all of this rests with you know because the laws are going to be what they're going to be the system is going to be what it's going to be it's up to us as individuals to you know not be entrapped in that in that situation so um, Matt, I know that folks that come on to this show, For the People We Are Every Tuesday Night, and myself, the producer, and even Black, oftentimes we see young folk and we try to talk to them. How do we reach them? You got, and, and one thing I asked a couple friends of mine earlier today, I'm in the middle of a, a homicide trial, and we, at lunchtime we were trying to you know, take some of the stress away. And the one thing I said, and I posed this to the folks around me who were a bunch, they weren't lawyers, they were the family members of my client. How do I tell a 16-year-old boy who's on the corner, the hottest corner that sells the pink bags of crack, to put that crack down where he's making $250 in 25 minutes and go work at McDonald's flinging burgers for eight hours where you might make 
$35. How do we impress upon them kids why that $250 in 35 minutes isn't as meaningful as that $25 at the end of eight hours? What do we do? What do we offer them? Well, you're, you're, I mean, you're not going to, so why even, why even waste your energy thinking about that? Because so, our entire society and system rewards the crack dealer. It's so you could go ahead be the, the sole voice that says that's not the way to go about it. And, and you know, I mean, it, it, that would, it makes no difference. So are you suggesting that we just ignore the crack dealer? No, I mean, our capitalist society rewards the crack dealer. The crack dealer is, is listed under a pedestal. He's a hero. You know what I mean? That's the bottom line. What do you, I'm, I'm not under Steph. I'm not following you. And I think the, I'm the about to get, go is, off. The <laughs> ideal of, of, of the capitalist system that we have. I mean, the crack dealer is, is, the, is the same as the stockbroker, just a couple bounds outside of the law. The stockbroker would be, and many of them do, end up in the same prison <laughs> with the crack dealer. I hear I mean, you. I it's, hear it's you. interchangeable. We reward that thought process, that mentality of, of strongest survive. So unless we're going to revamp our whole society, the kid is going to receive the message that get the money, get the money fast, be smarter, you know, be smarter, be quicker. But but you used to be that kid, right? Not necessarily, not necessarily saying that you used to deal drugs, but you used to be the kid that committed the crime and you didn't stay there. Something was presented. That, that made you change, whether it be jail or or just wanting to, growing up, as you said, or wanting a new way of life. So why wouldn't that be possible for the crack dealer that's out there now? Even if like someone like you could could provide an example of the results of that lifestyle, then right, and, and perhaps they will, and they will grow. You know what I mean? They'll grow. You either you'll get you'll get by, you'll get smart. I mean, I'm not I'm not I'm not preaching uh, by any means like oh you know follow the law. The law is a joke. I mean, the, the United States. Matt, government. are you a socialist by any chance? I'm just kidding. Keep going. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm not a socialist. You ask me what what's one thing we could do? Complete armed revolution. There's the one and only thing we can do. Wow. So really, all this other Extreme. stuff we're talking wow. about chairs on the deck of a Titanic. Other than wow. that, it's sort of like let them find their own path, the same as everyone else did. Um, huh. Well, wow. don't you Heather, you, you have a, a um, follow follow up. Pardon? Do you have a follow-up to Matt? Um... Well, I, I was just thinking that if you go back to the youth end of it, when you, you've got a, a 15-year-old, 16, 17, what's, what's important to any of us at that age? It's, whatever it is is exciting. What it's I really can wear, to... looking like everybody else, having on the latest gear, having my hair yeah, did, having, my nails done. Having fun and being exciting, they're, they're short-sighted. Of course they're not going to think McDonald's. McDonald's, it, it, like Matt says, it's not cool. You know, oh, let's uh, delayed gratification. You have to learn that somewhere else. And something else before then has to be more interesting. Like maybe they should be learning music. Maybe they should, you know, taking their talents. They would have a reason to delay gratification. But if all you're facing is more poverty, more, you know, jail time from everybody around you, well, you're going to take the quickest route. That's common sense. Well, I'm That's curious. Where I think it breaks down. I'm curious about those. And, and let's be honest, everybody here, Matt, Heather, all of us here. We know that those, whether they're juveniles or adults, who are the consummate, engaged in consummate criminality, let's say, they make up a smaller number of the larger of us. Can we all agree to that? They make up a yes. much smaller number. So what is it mm-hmm. about that kid who's 16 who lives right next door to that 16-year-old who's out there selling drugs? They have the same situation. 
Both of them live in PA, the Philadelphia Housing Authority. Both of them are being raised by a single parent. Both of them, their single parents are on welfare. I mean, similar circumstances, but one chooses that corner and the other one chooses to go to Twilight School from 6 a.m. to 3 p.m., work at McDonald's from 4 to midnight, and go home and help mom with the other kids get two hours of sleep and start all over again. What is that difference between the two of them? And you can't tell me it's just a material thing. I mean, there's something there. How do we tap into that? Sometimes I think we just are different people. You know, some people are, are made differently. And I mean, I don't, I don't, if we knew that, that would be the answer, wouldn't it? But 16 year olds (laughs) are 16 year olds, right? They're saying that 16 year old boys, they're just learning what their little dicks are for, right? They're just probably (laughs) basically learning how to control it. So, I mean, I don't, they're not that individual yet. So I'm just, how do we tap into whatever that is to give, I don't, I don't know. I'm just. I'm I think just... you have to divert them. That's the key. I mean, because so, they don't know. They're knuckleheads. You know, they, they're all knuckleheads. Right. Honestly. White, black, Having Spanish. Right. Lived right. With one, they're all that way. You have to stay on them constantly. Did your son and ever I get arrested? He could have, but no. Good for you. You know, we managed to get him out of one thing. It wasn't a big heavy duty thing, but still, he had you know parents who have some resources. Right. So a lot of it, I mean, that's not comparing the two guys you're talking about. No, I understand. I think privilege is what keeping most people out of jail anymore. And we, you know, money. So, but if you're comparing two people who are both impoverished and have hardship at home, then I don't know. I think it's just maybe they read something, one of their teachers, they got an older brother that got shot, so they don't want to do that. I mean, we're all so... I think mentoring, Matt mentioned that, that's the key. If just many of these guys, if they they said if my older brother hadn't gotten shot or my uncle, you know, they didn't have fathers, a lot of them. I will say that of this 10, out of this 10 that I started with, uh, I think Matt might have been the only one who had a father. Wow. Oh, two, two of them did. Wow. That were present in their lives in any kind of significant way. Right. Mink says, or Lakia, yeah, I agree with you. Lakia James, Mink says, I agree we need more people to listen to our youth. So I think in addition to films like yours, Heather, we need some Mm -hmm. grassroots folks to go out there, go into our juvenile facilities, hell, go into our federal jails, our state jails, where they're housing these children charged as adults, and listen to them. Write down what they say, bring it back out. Throw it at the powers that be, and let's see what we can make of it. But until then, we have to find something, because our kids are being locked up at an extraordinarily high rate. And it, it's, yeah. all, it's, I mean, and but I have to say that our kids are starting to get involved with criminality that's starting to scare the hell out of me, and I am the um, consummate bleeding heart down here in my way. Even my right. fellow defense attorneys call me a militant. But these kids uh-huh. in, the, in the criminality, the acts that they're starting to get involved with are starting to scare the hell out of me. And it takes a lot to scare me. So at this point, I well, think we're reaching that point where we're in a, um, an emergent, a state of emergency, if you will. So, well, right. Look at the opportunity. There is no opportunity. The right. unemployment rate. Right. Jobs. People need jobs. <laughs> I, think, I mean, right. that's I think, basic. I think people need one one thing that we all need to start with, and this is those kids who we can 
charged with and recognize them being mature enough to recognize you need to have some self-worth. What am I about? Who am I? What can I do? What can I do? And what's going to happen to me if I do that? We need some self-worth and some self-accountability. How do we impart that to our kids? That's where I think we start at. I'm not sure. Heather, I am looking forward to watching your um, film. I'm actually very excited. We would like to be able to maybe have a screening somewhere in the city once you guys start doing those again. Hopefully our producer will keep in touch with you. Matt and Joe, if you guys are still there, God bless you. Thank you for sharing your journey with us. We reach. Thank you very much. We um, tell you that we are proud of you. We are grateful that folks like you exist so that our kids have folks to reach out to. Whatever we can do here for the people to help and continue to uplift you, please let us know. And I want to say personally that I think that the two of you, wow, I just think it's absolutely amazing. And I just want to say thank you for sharing. Well, you're Thanks doing your work uh, at the other end of the, <laughs> of the pipe, so to speak. So, Is it really shitty weather? And, this hmm? is, um, and I'm going off, off task here a little bit. Is, is Seattle weather always shitty? Uh, yeah, much. <laughs> I was in except for uh, you know July and August. Okay, come visit, <laughs> Matt. Before you go, darling, can I ask one question of you? Did you yeah. ever see the the final product, the film, and its completion? Did you ever watch the film from start to finish? Oh yeah. And and how many times? Uh, four or five times. Wow. And did you get something different from your own performance after each time? Uh, yeah. It gets easier to watch okay. myself. How many times did it take for you to stop crying after you watched it? Uh, I I haven't cried. Wow. Okay. <laughs> go, he's a, go ahead, Everyone tough guy. <laughs> go ahead, tough guy. Everyone else cries. I hear you. So, Matt, before you go, darling, do you have any words of wisdom, pearls for us to impart to our listeners, and particularly our, our young listeners, to, or the mothers and fathers who want to be able to share stuff hey, with God, their kids? Get involved with your kids, man. The, the, our children are just a symptom of a larger sickness which is our society. I mean, you're, you're talking about the what's going on, and it's us. You know, okay. look in the mirror every morning. We, it's own up to, to you and yours, everybody out there that's listening. I heard that. And, Go uh, ahead. You've got to start with that, number one. Mm-hmm. All right. Anybody wants to say a comment to Matt, give him an attaboy, tell him you're proud of him, or find out what he relied on and pulled on within him to get himself through, reach out, call the cell phone, the text line, excuse me. The text line is 215-435-4099. Those of you trying to call in on the studio line, please call the text line, 215-435-4099. Heather, any, budding, yes. any final parting words that you have for folks who want to get involved and um, be active, proactive, um, hopefully, like you were? What do you, what do you say to them? Uh, I I think it's like one of the most rewarding things you can do is to work with another individual, especially a kid. You will get more back than you ever give. And if everybody did that, we would have a a bigger swath of community to support our young people who are going to way outlive us. So just get involved. It's anywhere. (laughs) I think Matt's right. We have to face our own... uh, inability to deal with these problems so it could take any there's so many great organizations out there that work with youth or schools or drug programs you know just do something matt you need to go to law school get your degree become a legislator and destroy those laws out there in washington with which you um detest so much yeah 
Absolutely. Um, Heather, <laughs> God bless you. Thank you. Matt, any um, final information you want to drop on us? Either of you have a website or a way that folks who want to reach out to you in private can get in touch with you? How about you, Heather? Uh, no, the best way would be through the minor differences. Okay. Yeah, in, anybody, Thanks there's a contact the there, and we'll pass on anything to uh, Joe or Matt or any of us. And we'll, we've received, a, it's a great way to get in touch with us if people want to have a screening. Uh, we've done some in New York uh, recently. We're doing several, so it's it's a good thing. So what I would, please what, contact us. What I'd like to do is for my producer to stay in touch with you, Heather, because I would love to try to find the right source here at the Philadelphia Youth Study Center to um, arrange a screening That'd... there. So I got to talk to friends and stuff, but I'll make sure my producer is in touch with you. Okay. And Joe, wherever you, so you are, much, thank you, Joe. I'm so upset that you chickened out on us, but we appreciated <laughs> you. Um... Oh, that's he right. You told to me. My bad. You're right. My bad, Joe. I'm sorry. You're taking care of them. one of them Rolling Stones. God bless you, too. <laughs> Joe, Heather, Matt, thank you okay. so much. Bye. Sure. And ladies Thanks. and gentlemen, if you right. checked, if you missed last week's show, ladies and gentlemen, I saved that for the end so we could get to Matt, Joe, and um, Heather. Last week's show was called DHS, the Antichrist or our Savior of our families. It was a rather rambunctious show. We had Mary. What's up, Mary? Truth Serum. Yeah. We had um, Working Mother Network. We had Mother's. Every Woman is a Mother Working Mother's there Network. And we had Carolyn Hill and her son, um, James or Jerome, excuse me, Celine and Celine. I'm probably going to mess up your last name, so I'm not even going to say it. But I really appreciate them for coming on. Um, the it was rather rambunctious in the studio. I'm not going to tell you more. Go to www.forthepeople.podomatic.podomatic.com to check out that and all of our other past shows, or go to my website www.debrarenilaw.com. At this time, ladies and gentlemen, we turn it over to Sister Black. Yes, yes. This piece is I'm different. I'm different. Was I born different or did difference attach itself to my hip, stamp itself on my forehead, mix its DNA with mine? When did I become so different? I've made mistakes. As a matter of fact, I was mistake prone, not yet fully grown, somewhat on my own. I tripped over a few rocks and stumbled over some stones, so I guess that makes me different. I went to prison. I came back with a difference. As a returning citizen, there ain't too many privileges. I guess now they can look at me and see my difference. Excuse me if I didn't notice. Prison don't have no mirrors. But it did have other, other different people and they breathed, I mean like air, and they bleed, I mean like red, and they have eyes, a mouth, and nose, ten fingers, and ten toes, shit, we had a lot in common. Some would say it was the gathering of criminal minds, but I call it just plain human binding, humans that messed up. If we take all the humans that messed up and give them their own planet, the whole damn earth would be abandoned. Give society a mirror, give them their reflection, and my reflection, the only difference is, the only difference is, the minor difference is... I have a soul. Wow. Heather, Matt, Joe, she hit y'all up in there. Minor differences. Ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned. And don't forget, please, we are looking for that fourth personality to sort of round out our crew. Um, we would like to ask Truth Serum, if you're listening, give us a shout, girl. We appreciated your energy last week. 
Carolyn Hill, once again, I hope that you are not giving up that battle to get your nieces back. Um, all of those women involved with Every Mother is a Working Mother Network and Crossroads Resource Center for Women. God bless you. Keep fighting the good fight. Ladies and gentlemen, I think that I'm waiting for my producer to give me the sign like she always do to tell me time's up. But I look like I got a few more minutes. So I can talk crap. I'm just kidding. They go to little thumb. I seen a little thumb. I saw that was the her PhD thumb. thumb right so there. So we are looking for that fourth personality. In addition, we have not given up on our theme song. Some of y'all want to be fake at uh, musicians saying y'all got a little skills. I ain't heard from you. And if you didn't know, we were looking for some original instrumental music that can sort of bolster, support, and identify our show when that music is heard. Right now, we use the instrumental version of um, Jay-Z's song, My First Song. Hit him with a little piece, producer. And it sounds like this. It's got to be funky, though. Uh. I like that part that goes, whatever that is. Think that's in this song? Right there, right See, there. She talked about the talk shit. Groovy. Don't know what's yeah, going on. It, it All like in you the were Kool-Aid. Giving... Don't know the flavor. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, my every the... I'm not sure. Okay. Give us a little bit of it. The other one. I was one of Jigga Best joints. Too. I was. I agree Just with it out there. So, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you that listen for the first time, please check us out every Tuesday night from eight to nine thirty here on www.gtownradio.com. Gtown. No. Whoa. Sound from German. Sound. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so Sound. much for listening. Say bye, Sound. fam. Holla. Information presented on For the People is provided as general legal information. The general legal information is intended to inform consumers, is not intended to substitute for specific legal advice as it relates to the listener's specific legal issue. Consumers are cautioned not to rely on the general legal information broadcast on For the People as legal advice. No attorney-client relationship is created, intended, or implied between the consumers of For the People and Deborah Rainey Esquire, the compassionate lawyer, or the law office of Deborah D. Rainey. Please consult with an attorney for your specific legal issue. What's up, what's up? This is Deborah Rainey, the compassionate lawyer, bringing you For the People every Tuesday night at 8 p.m. on gtownradio.com. I'm just trying to stay above water, you know? Just stay busy, stay working. I'll tell me, like, the key to this joint, the key to stay on top of things is to treat everything like it's your first project, you know what I'm saying? Like it's your first day, like I wasn't even an intern. Like, that's how you try to treat things, like, just stay hungry. Uh, uh. 
wanna know why you don't stop, y'all wanna know why you don't flop. Let me tell you, people, why I came from the bottom of the block. I, when I was born, it was sworn, I was never gonna be shit. Had to prove the opposite, I was bitch, had to get my pride on. Eyes on the pride, Sean, knew I had to, had to, had to get these chips. Had to make moves like Elijah Wong, started out selling dimes and nicks. Graduated to a brick, no exaggeration, my infatuation with the strip. Legendary like a schoolboy, crush a million in the every, every chick. Every shit, that's how schoolboy got whipped and got left on some chest. Me, myself, and I on some true boy shit. Had to voice to a place up, to a place of no return. Had to play with fire and get burned. Only way the boy ever gonna learn. Had to lay way in the cut, till I finally got my turn. Now I'm on top in the spot that I earned. It's my life, it's my pain and my struggle. The song that I sing to you is my everything. Treat my first like my last and my last like my first and my first is the same as when I came. It's my joy and my tears and the laughter it brings to me is my everything. Like I never rode in a limo, like I just dropped flows to a demo. Like it's 92 again, man. And I got O's in the rental. Back in the stool again, no problem. It was a whole lot civil. When you think back, you thought that you would never make it this far. Then you take advantage of the luck you handed. Of the talent you've been given. Ain't no half seven. Ain't no no slipping. Ain't no different from a block of hidden. Gotta get it while the kitten's good. Gotta strike while the iron's hot. Can you stop it? You gotta fit it. Good written. Goodbye. This is my second major breakup. My first was with a page up. With a hoopty, a cook pot, and a game. This one's with the stew, with the spade, with the fortune. Maybe not the fortune, but certainly my life. My pain and my struggle. The song that I sing to you is my everything. Treat my first like my last and my last like my first. And my first is the same as when I kiss you. It's my joy and my tears and my laughter it brings to me. It's my everything. Treat my first like my last and my last like my first and my first like the first song. Original flavor now. 